All right, welcome everybody to the Football Neophytes podcast. On today's episode, we are going to be looking at Manchester United. We're going to talk about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. City. Uh, Liverpool has become Liverpool again. Arsenal, they continue to struggle. Maybe not as bad as the Spurs, but probably worse. And uh, we're going to ask the question of, is there any hope for the bottom three? What's going on, boys? What's up, man? Going on, Chris? Oh, not a whole lot, guys. Just another Monday night here. Um, it's good for me in my world. It's kind of okay for Nate and his. Uh, let's start there, actually. Let's talk Wolves, because um, this was a tale of two games. Uh, for everyone who wasn't listening last week, uh, this was a busy week in the EPL. Uh, every team played two games, a midweek game and then a weekend game. Uh, Nate, you had polar opposite games and feelings after uh, what happened in the world of Wolverhampton. Yeah, I uh, I wish we were record. I wish the game, the matches were flipped. So I came into this pod a little more optimistic and a little happier. But I think maybe it, it like really epitomizes our season so far. I would say um, started the week off great, beating. Chelsea 2-1. So many emotions about with that match. Um Wolves looked good. Obviously, they felt they fell behind 1-0, but uh were able to come back, which is always always good for your club. Um and I would say even more like more exciting for me was that during halftime, Nuno made a switch. And Owen Otasawi came in, the American for Wolves. And that was the first time. The first time I'd experienced uh, an American in a, in a Wolves kit. There was a lot of pride flowing wow. through me. And he played amazing. Like, it was fun to watch Twitter and just hear everyone's responses. Like, he's, he's a beast. Have you guys seen the picture of him flexing with his shirt off? I haven't. No. I, I think I saw a picture of him modeling, though. Yes. Is he is okay. like a teenage model. Okay, he's still a teenager, so. but he's, right. I don't know if he still models, but uh, he he has modeled at some point. So good looking dude. There's this picture of him. You guys, you guys got to Google it and I'll throw it in the show notes, but he's flexing like full body flex and the boy is ripped. He's ripped. But regardless, dude, I mean, what's going on with the wolves? you know, strength and conditioning coach between him and Treori, they got something going on there. Dude, there's something going on. Um, but now, wait, I need to interrupt for just one second, because I think this is probably going to come into play in the future on this podcast. How do you pronounce his last name? Oh, that's a great question. Otisowi? Otisowi? Okay. I actually don't know for sure. Okay. All right. So, yeah, it sounds have, American. Whatever you have to do your sure. own research. He's actually born in how many Otisowis I know. <laughs> Otisowis. He was born. He's born in um, in New York City, but then moved to uh, to England, I think, at some point. So spent most of his time playing there. Um, but yeah, nice. so he came on. He looked really good um, in the midfield. Just added a whole new dynamic, like big presence, physical, fast. Um, different than different than Traore. So I know like with me talking about how ripped he is, you might get that in your mind, but Traore is kind of a burst of speed type guy and, mm. um, and kind of goes out on the attack and then looks for crosses. Sometimes he'll pull it into the middle and, and take a shot or, or look to feed it somewhere. But Otisawi is playing more, more uh, midfielder and kind of attacking through the middle a little bit, but really good defensively had some, he ended up having an assist in the match um, on, on the, the match, the Podence goal that, that tied it or uh, equalized as they say. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then Pedro Neto with a, with a goal uh, in the fifth, like the 95th minute to get to, 
give us the the victory over Chelsea. So that was that was an exciting match, really good. I was flying high after that. And then today, um, Wolves Wolves lost two one to to Burnley, and really looked horrible. Altus Otisawi got the start today, which was cool. Um, Wolves started two teenagers. Otisawi being one of them started him in the midfield, but he kind of played forward a lot with with Neto and Podence. Um, but they just they just looked they looked bad. They started off actually pretty strong um, and were attacking and, and creating some opportunities. Chances is probably not the best term because they didn't really get a shot on goal till like the 30th minute or something. But they were forward. They had a lot of possession. But that's like classic. That's how it is against Burnley. And Burnley scored on uh, a counterattack that I actually looked away from the screen because I was working and I was writing an email. And I thought we defended it and kicked it out of bounds. But instead, it went straight up. And somehow, uh, Ashley Barnes like headed it through a couple defenders and through. Patricio and scored is really a bizarre goal, but I didn't even see it happen because I thought the ball went out of bounds and then I kind of looked, looked away. So, but they just, they didn't look good after that and scored again. Fabio Silva scored on a penalty to get his first, her first career goal, um, which is exciting, but really it was not, it was not a good, good match for Wolves. And so um, I was joking with Chris before we started recording that, well, I feel like Wolves and Manchester United are equally inconsistent. The problem is, is for Wolves is that all of our inconsistency is in the Premier League. We have no, no other competitions to be screwing up. And Manchester United, all of their negative inconsistency has been in the Champions League where they've all their positive play has been in, in the Premiership. So um, they're looking good sitting up there at third place. Yeah, uh, with the game in hand. Yeah, you. probably a good transition uh, for my guys at United. Uh, it was a good week. They took uh, six points, winning both. Huge games. week. Huge week, you could say. Um, yeah, they're sitting third, a point behind second. They have a game in hand, so you could even say that they're in best position to challenge Liverpool at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was great. Uh, Sheffield United. On the road, they beat them 3-2. It was United's sixth straight road victory. Um, It was also – or no, I'm sorry. It's their 10th straight road victory. This is their sixth straight road victory coming from behind, which set an EPL record. Uh, They've been down in every road game they've played this season, and they've won all of them. So um, some pretty impressive – takeaways the run that they're on right now is 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 pretty impressive and it's funny to think back a couple weeks ago where I was complaining you know because they were taking draws against you know Man City or they lost to Arsenal one nothing um they've that, they've that t- loss looks so bad in high, like right now <laughs> it looked it was bad then but it looks really bad now it does but it also looks as if it was a turning point at this point because since that game the six matches that they've played uh, they've had 18 points available, and they've taken 16 of those 18 points, That's which is so important. Um, so since that November 1st loss to Arsenal, one nothing, they've taken 16 of 18. Again, uh, I think they're at 10 straight road wins. Uh, 11 is the Premier League record, so they actually have a chance to tie that this coming weekend against Leicester. Um, so it's a huge matchup. It's two versus three. Um, you know, it's can they tie history? um and, and get that 11 straight road victory can they do it coming from behind again and make it seven mm. you know i mean just a lot of crazy things are going on um during that broadcast of the weekend game where uh they played leads it was a really fun match to watch probably not as fun for leads fans but just if you wanted goals that was the match to watch uh united won six to two it's it's one of those where it's just a bad matchup for Leeds because of the style that they play and how they just attack, attack, attack. 
United's a really good counterattacking team. So they struggle against teams that sit back and don't press too much, but they excel against teams that really like to, to press on them and really try and get into their zone because um, they have so much talent in their middle and their outsides that once they turn it over and can go the other way, they usually do it pretty quickly. So it was just a bad matchup for Leeds. I still love you, Leeds. Um, you know, it was we joked earlier in the season about how it's that hot girl at – at work that's sitting in the cubicle across from you and you just keep looking at her. Well, this weekend was uh, your wife going, Hey, don't forget what you got at home, babe. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so, but they did say, I I thought this was really crazy is that um, during that broadcast, they said that since Bruno signed and we're almost to a year since he signed with United in the January transfer window, uh, Manchester United has the best points per game ratio in the English premier league since that signing, meaning they are taking more points from every game than anyone else. And that includes Liverpool, uh, which is crazy. Yeah, remarkable. So, you know, you look, I look back at the beginning of the season and I was frustrated. <clears throat> I still will question Ole and his lineups. Um, but, you know, Ole had that stupid quote early on that said, hey, it's going to take us like five games to get this figured out. And then you look at their schedule and the results, and, I mean, he was pretty much dead on. They're kind of rolling right now. They, they're starting to remind me of how they looked after the restart. They, last year, they, they drew their first match against Tottenham, and then they won or they took points in like 17 straight after that. And so they just kind of go on these runs that you start out frustrated, and then you're like, dang, these guys are just good. So Well, hold on here. I'm going to – we got to rephrase this a little bit. You weren't just frustrated. Yeah, you that's were true. actively calling for them to lose so that Ole would lose his job. So my two questions for you are, number one, are you convinced that it's legit? And number two, if it is, what's changed? Okay, so it is um, – I think that this is a strange season. And not that I have been a fan of soccer long enough to really be like, well, if we look at the history, you know, um, but this is just a weird year coming off of the restart and then the shortened off season, uh, you know, they played longer than most clubs ended up playing in Europe. And so they had, you know, they had their schedule altered a little bit. So it's just been a strange season. It's strange for everyone because of COVID and everything that's going on. Um, I, again, they're at the point where they remind me of the team that they were at the end of last season. So I do think it's real. The The one thing I've never questioned about this team is the talent. I've always said that the talent is there. The guys they have are good footballers. Um, I think you can still question Ole and his tactics. I still think you can question his lineups that he runs out there. He clearly has his favorite guys that it doesn't matter how good or bad they play. Like he just, for whatever reason, trusts them and he puts them out there. Fred is probably the number one guy that you could look to that shows that. Um, Cause Pogba finally started a match and played a full match against Southampton and he was good. He played really solid. He was electric with the ball. It made some really nice passes. Um, and then he doesn't, play at all against Leeds, Fred gets to start over him and Fred just continues to look terrible. He, he can't pass his just, it's just sloppy when Fred's out there in the middle. Um, but that goes to Ole for me because he's the one running his guy out there and he's the one not playing Pogba. Now, was there probably a plan to get Paul out there? Um, maybe around halftime, probably, but when it's five, one, why risk it and bring him out there where he could get injured? He's had injuries a lot lately, a lot of ankle issues over the last year. So hopefully we get some Pogba in this weekend. Um, you know, and it was honestly, you kind of look at the lineup he ran out there this week. He made five changes from the Southampton game, which is a lot of changes to make. That's half your squad. Um, but it was fun that he got like Daniel James in the game and Daniel James finally scored a goal in a game again. Um, so it was cool to see those guys out there. I still, I mean, I'm hoping this weekend against Leicester, we get that best lineup. I, like in my mind, we have a very clear who our best 11 is. I would love to see that run out there. Um, yeah, it'll, so- it'll be interesting though, because you're, you're entering into these like condensed fixtures and 
it's really hard to run out your, your best when they're going to be playing three matches in the next like two weeks or even less than two weeks. Yeah. Um, it'll be hard for them to, to run out this, a consistent lineup is tough, but then even to like start all the best guys and you'll have to do that matchup by matchup. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause they have a, they have a Wednesday game in the caribou cup. Oh geez. Um, so they play Everton in the quarterfinals of the caribou cup on Wednesday. I would assume that we're probably going to see a lesser squad that game. For sure. Yeah. Um, I don't think you'll see Bruno. Um, I would assume Rashford probably doesn't play. Um, those guys have kind of been nicked up lately. <clears throat> Who knows? Maybe you will see Pogba for 90 minutes this weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think you'll see a lesser squad there. I think, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm ignorant. Maybe I don't know enough about the cups. I would imagine winning the Caribou Cup is probably not the highest of priorities. No. And so if they're ranking what is more important, I think three points, going for three points against Leicester <clears throat> means more than getting out of the quarterfinals against Everton in the Caribou Cup. Absolutely. So, Let me say something real quick about how bizarre of a season it's been. Okay. Even with the Wolves lost to Burnley today, the Wolves, this is still the Wolves best start in their premier league history. And they have the same amount of points they had last year at this time. And they were in sixth place after week 14. And right now they're sitting in 11th. So let me ask you, do you think that that is a byproduct of the bottom being so bad? Or like, what, what do you think is causing that? Cause there's a lot of points towards the top and there's a lot of contenders in there that we didn't see coming. We didn't see Southampton. I don't think many of us really picked Everton to be, you know, a top four squad right now. Um, well, I think, I think at nine. Yeah. I think there's a couple things. I think one is last year, Liverpool had nine more points than they do now. Yeah. So they sucked more p- points up towards the top so that, that it was more top heavy. Liverpool had 40, Leicester had 32, so they had five more points than they do now, and City was in third with 29, which is, let's assume Manchester United got that win. That would be the same, essentially, or close. Yeah. And then the bottom last year, after week 14, Watford had eight points, Norwich had 11, and Southampton had 12. So the bottom had more points as well. So I think that is a part of it is that the points are just more uh, evenly distributed. So. Yeah. It makes this, it makes the middle a lot more congested. Yep. All right. Well, let me put a bow on this man United portion of the pod. We'll, we'll wrap it up here with one question for you guys. Are Manchester United, is Manchester United the second best team in the EPL? I'll take the silence as a yes. No, hey, I'm feeling it. (laughs) I feel a different energy coming from the team. I, dude, every time I look up, I'm like, oh, they got that guy too. You know, they got Cavari too. They got uh, Cavani. Cavani, you know, who, who also Cavari, they got him somewhere back there as well. He's in the youth squad, the yeah. U18. <laughs> now I'm feeling it, Chris. I like the energy. I, I think they might have turned a corner. I I know nothing about what I'm saying, but I, I feel like I want to support you in this. I, like I was it. my yeah. silence was me looking at the other teams in the table and trying to make a judgment. Here's here's what I I'll I'll quote longtime listener, maybe the first listener. I think he's maybe the first person to ever listen to the pod, Tim Hoyland, my buddy, Liverpool. Oh, yeah. He told he said today we were talking about it and he said he said you haven't watched long enough to know man, scary Manchester United. He's like when I first started watching scary Manchester United was starting to fade away. He's like, the way this team is playing right now reminds me a lot of scary Manchester United. So I think, yes, right now, I think I would give you that. They are the second best team in the premier league. The problem is 
can they be continue being consistent? And you look at all these teams. If you would have asked me last week, I would have said, no, Tottenham's clearly the second best team in the premier league. And they dropped points, a lot of points this week. Um, they lost their last two matches, right? Chelsea is fading. Everton's now kind of bouncing back again. Leicester has been consistent, but they faded at the end of last year. We haven't even mentioned Southampton. I mean, there's, it's so inconsistent this year that it, yes, over the last like six weeks or six matches, Manchester United looks great and they, they do, they look scary. So we'll see, we'll see what happens, you know, after, after, all this fixture congestion and then the transfer window opens in January that can change a lot. That's when they got Bruno last year. So, um, so yeah. We'll yep. And I will, I will support my boys. I do right now think that they're the second best squad out there. Um, you can make an argument for them being the best squad, <laughs> you know, if Liverpool yeah. drops another game. Um, because, and, and I think it goes back to, I've always said it, they have the talent. It's just yeah. they just haven't been consistent in playing like they have the talent. Um, that, one more thing I'll throw out there. I, if you've ever seen Bruno Fernandez score a goal, his go-to celebration every single time is he sucks his thumb and covers his ear. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yeah. Uh, shout out to him for being a newer father. He has a young daughter. And when he scored a goal, that was her reaction to seeing it. And so every time he scores, he goes to his thumb and covers the ear uh, to tell his daughter he loves her and he's thinking of her. So, that's Matt, cool. off to you, Bruno Fernandez. I love you. You're my favorite player. Keep it up. Let's go, man. You. All right, let's move on. Though there is another team in Manchester. Um, I've labeled this the Doctor Doctor Jekyll and Mister City section. Um, mm -hmm. Man City has kind of become the team that. What are we getting out of them from week to week? Right. 0-0 zero, zero draw at Manchester United a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh, that's cool. It's great. You know, Man City's coming off of that just thrashing. Um, I think it was Newcastle. They spanked 5 nothing. You take the 0-0 zero, zero draw and go, hey, we held them, and then they play West Brom where they draw 1-1 with the 19th place West Brom, and then they squeak by Southampton with a 1-0 uh, win and they really could have lost that game to Southampton right. that match Southampton played so well they had a, Southampton had a lot of chances um so yeah city city's interesting right I mean if you're asking the question is is uh man you the second best team in the league you ask the question is is city the eighth you know I mean <laughs> It seems silly to say that. And they, they have a game in hand as well. So, you know, they could be anywhere up to the top four, but, but still, I, I agree. Yeah. City city's interesting and Aguero's back now. And so he shouldn't take long to work into the squad. So I don't think that's like some excuse, but yeah, they'll have to, they'll have to figure things out and it'll be interesting to see, um, uh, I don't know who they play, who they play. Oh, they play Newcastle this week. That should be a good, that should be an easy win. And then at Everton uh, on Monday. So, you know, you look at those matches traditionally and you think that should be six points for city, but I think it'll, it'll tell us a lot, you know? Yeah. And it's just it, maybe for Kyle coming in as the, the ultimate neophyte right now, you know, Man City over the last years has just been a juggernaut team. It's, you know, it's been them in Liverpool. Last year was Liverpool. The two years before that, it was all Man City. Um, they've been this very hard team to beat. And to see them where they're at right now is, is slightly confusing. <laughs> yeah, you watched that match, right, Kyle? That was the match you focused on. I know you were focusing on Southampton, but, but give us a little rundown of the match and what you saw at a city and then and then tell us about Southampton. Yeah. You know, my takeaway from city, just to add on to what you guys are talking about is the talent that they have pops off the screen, even to me, right. Watching De Bruyne run around, um, you know, all the guys that they got are just so talented. And then you look up at the end of a Southampton game and it's 
one nil and you're thinking, you know, shouldn't this been a lot, it shouldn't have been this close, right? Southampton had a couple opportunities to equalize it and didn't make it happen, but very easily could have not, you know, man, man city could have very easily not walked away with those three points. And so that's just a bit confusing because they just have so much talent that's apparent and, and the results don't seem to quite match that this year. Um, but like I said, with Southampton too, they have a lot of great players as well. I mean, the big news for them coming out of this game in particular was the Danny Ings injury, right? And in getting injured and it didn't look good. They're saying it's a hamstring, um, but it didn't look didn't look great, you know, on on the pitch. So well, that that surprisingly, that's, Ings was injured earlier in the season too. So. Um, yeah. they actually went on their little run for a while with, without him. And the big okay. fear was, could they, could they keep it up? And I don't want to, I don't want to undercut like his significance. Cause he is like one of their best players, but if not their best player, but yeah, it, definitely an injury to him is not, is not ideal. Yeah. Yeah. But they're an interesting club. So, you know, taking a look at what I look at when I'm looking through a club, the infrastructure, so recent history with them in 2009 and 2009, they were on the verge of literally going bankrupt, being no longer a club. They, they couldn't even play their employees. They asked all their employees to basically work for free as a gesture of goodwill, which never works really well. <laughs> uh, if you're trying to ask your employees to work for free. Um, and so they ended up being bought out and, you know, finding their footing, but they were down all the way in, you know, lower divisions for a while there. And um, the, the crazy thing is three years later, they were back in the Premier League. So they, they found it really quick. And they're not a team that I think a lot of people think very highly of, but it's interesting since 2012, here are their finishes. Okay. So 14, not great, but then eight, seven, six, eight, Recently hasn't been as good, 17, 16, 11, but they've had some top 10 finishes in the last 10 years. And I don't know that they totally get that credit. So maybe a little bit of a, a sleeper kind of on, on the fringes there, um, just kind of floating around for at least the last decade. Uh, you know, they are owned at this point by um, a Chinese conglomerate who owns them and is a little bit more hands off. And so, you know, I think it remains to be seen what that partnership and that ownership group does going forward. Uh, but all in all, not a, not a lot of infrastructure history there, not a lot to really go off of um, moving forward. So I gave them two golden boots for that. Culture. Um, so they are known as the, as the saints or maybe just saints. I'm not sure if they have the same uh, status as wolves where it's just, you drop the, the, but do you guys know why that is? Why are they named Saints? Um, well, I don't their state isn't there their stadium St. Mary's? Their stadium is St. Mary's, which again, it, there's a reason behind that too, and that's because they were originally founded out of St. Mary's Church, like the huh. youth program at St. Mary's Church a long time ago, right? And um, became this professional soccer club and just a crazy how all these teams have these amazing backstories where they started from such humble beginnings, but that's why they're known as saints, which honestly is a really cool nickname. I, I think that's as when you're looking at culture and, and kind of just something that sticks out, I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, it also leads to their, their big anthem that they sing, which is the saints go marching in, yeah. um, which is pretty, pretty cool as well in terms of tradition and culture. Um. Yeah, just another random tidbit here. So in 2019, they got beaten 9-0 by Leicester City. And talk about asking their employees to work for free. Well, all their players then donated their paychecks to charity after that. So, hey, at least they're, you know, have some benevolence in them as well when they're getting their head stomped in. Well, um, we, I mean, we I should have given you this task, but the amount – because that the anniversary of that match is pretty like soon, or maybe it just passed. So okay. what Southampton has done since then, I don't know if you heard when I was reading off, like after week 14, where teams were Southampton was in re the relegation zone 
Yeah. Uh, this time last year, they were 18th place. Wow. They hired their manager and hired Hassan and he has really turned that club around. And so it's fascinating. Like since that Lester defeat nine nil, um, things have completely changed, uh, in that, in that squad. I mean, the squad really hasn't changed a ton to be honest, but whatever Hassan Hoodle's done and his, uh, his strategy and formation and game management has, and culture, um, has really changed their fortunes. Yeah. That, and that is, I would honestly say that story right there encapsulates a lot of what I picked up when I was looking at them is they're, they're a little bit of a contradiction in of, them, of themselves, right? At times they seem like a team that's on the verge of relegation or going bankrupt. And then at other times they're, they're top 10 finishes, right? In the last decade. So hard team to peg down, hard team to figure out, just really inconsistent. Um, they do have some really nice players. We talked about Danny Ings, James Ward Prowse is, you know, I think you've mentioned, you guys have mentioned on this pod, right? One of the best free kick specialists in the premier league. Well, cool fact here. He literally has the best free kick percentage rate (laughs) since they started tracking it. Um, and so, you know, I like big strikers, but honestly, if you're like the best in the world at something like he is at that that's pretty cool. And that's pretty fun to root for. And so he, he's really intriguing. Um, you know, I also Janig Vestergaard six, six, that's all you had to say. Love that dude. Just roaming out there, just going in for headers. Um, Throwing his dome on the ball. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, I enjoyed watching him as well. He had one you know, in that match, right? Was it that match I was thinking about where he headed it just over the bar early on? That's not that so, one. They didn't score in, in the one I was watching. Yeah, he but. didn't score, but I think he hit one just oh, over yeah. the bar early yep, on yep. in that match. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, so they got some fun. Pl- they got some really fun players to watch. The thing about them going back to culture, right, is, and this is where it's a contradiction, where they have these nice players. Historically, they've had some really nice players. Um, you know, Gareth Bale was on Southampton at one point, but some of their supporters view them, right, as sort of a finishing school for the larger teams yep. in England, which may be a common story when you talk start talking about some of these non-big six teams, but that, that again, right, as a, if I were to choose them, would be kind of difficult to watch yep. some of those really good players go off and flourish and find, you know, their prime for another club. And so, yeah, just a lot to think about there. Their kits are, are really classy. Um, nice home and away look. The sponsor, again, n- not the greatest, but not too distracting. Um, so all in all, you know, I, I kind of right in the middle for me in terms of golden boots, gave them two for infrastructure, two for culture, two for strikers, and actually three for kits, which puts them at nine total. They are atop the Brian McBride tier. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I want, I'm going to noodle on them a little bit longer because again, they're, they're kind of just an interesting club to figure out for me. Yeah, we'll have to, I mean, w- one thing that'll be great is once you've gone through, once you've gone through all 20 clubs, there should be approximately, I don't know. There'll be probably 14, 15 weeks left, you know, cause now that we're getting multiple weeks at a time, you know, you're not going to yep. get to watch or focus on every club twice. So I even think like, as we move through this season and we get towards the, the latter part of the season for you to circle back around on certain clubs and say, okay, yeah. I've narrowed it down to 10 or 12 that I want to focus on for these final 12 weeks or these final 15 weeks. Um, I think that'll, that'll be fun for you to take second looks at clubs or third looks if you've seen them in, in secondary matches. So no doubt. Cool. I'm a sucker for the sash. So I love those kids. (laughs) I like the kids too. I will, I will give them that. I don't know where Southampton finished for me in my, my rankings two years ago, but I, they have like, if I re-ranked right now, I think they'd probably be a f- top five club for me. 
I don't remember where they finished for you, but I know that they were above Manchester United. Uh, Everyone for eternity. <laughs> Except for probably right. West Brom. West Brom and, and Aston Villa. They they are like slowly, I'm slowly growing my hatred for them. All right. Well, let's move on. A couple other uh, topics to hit on from these uh, this last week. Uh, Liverpool looks like they're back to being Liverpool. Um the week before was a very strange week in the EPL, like we talked about last week, uh, where they drew against a very weak squad. Uh, but this week, they they beat the Spurs 2-1, to one, and then they, um, well, they spanked Crystal Palace 7-0 on uh, over the weekend. So, um, Yeah, they- Liverpool's scary to me. I mean, I think they've figured it out. Klopp's figured it out, and... <sighs> You know, as much as I would, I would love to see um, some parity in the league. I would love to see a tight race to the finish. Like, I haven't experienced that yet. You know, a little bit with City and Liverpool my first year, um, but even then, City had a pretty firm grip. Um, and then last year, Liverpool just ran away with it. So, I would love to see a, a, a title race last late if not into the last weekend of the season. And so, um, but the way Liverpool's playing, not even this, this amazing Manchester United team can catch them. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, they're just so scary. Even with all the injuries, they're still so good and it's frustrating, but you never know. Um, they looked pretty dominant this week, but again, um, you know, the week before they tied with Fulham. So, you know, <laughs> hopefully we can get some more draws. That was the one thing that they did last year in their runaway was they just didn't lose. Yeah. Um, they were picking up points every single week, whether it was a draw against a tougher matchup or just beating the bottom teams. Um, they were grabbing points and, yep. uh, that is kind of what they're doing again right now. So hopefully they do take a couple losses. Um, I want that race to the finish selfishly. I want it for Manchester United. Uh, selfishly, I want it because it's fun, even if it's not Manchester United. Um, that was probably the biggest letdown of last year for me was just we knew who the champion was going to be so early that the season almost didn't matter. Even even United making a crazy run from like 11th to third in, in the restart was like, well, it didn't really matter because they're not getting to the top. Other than like the Europa, the European stuff, right? Like for wolves, that last yeah. match mattered so much. And it wasn't just their match that mattered. Cause I think if Tottenham would have lost or Lester would have lost, I can't remember exactly how it shook out, but Wolves would have been yeah, in. Yeah, you had a shot to get in. You had a shot to get in. And I, I don't know if United had already clinched a spot at the end of the year. But that's that was always my, as an American, as a playoff-type sports fan, it was always my fear of following European soccer is how lame the titles decided potentially weeks before the season's over. Um, but it, it wasn't until last year was the first time as Wolves were kind of battling for this final spot that I was like, oh, these last games really do have implications, you know, and I'm sure if Wolves or Man Manchester United or whoever Kyle chooses are ever in a relegation battle, yeah. you know, you feel it probably even more like dire sense of like despair. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I joked with you, we didn't finish last season because of everything that was going on in, in life. Yeah. Uh, but it was hilarious to me to watch Aston Villa celebrate on the final day of the the season because they clinched 17th <laughs> totally <laughs> you know? so all right well liverpool's back to being liverpool right now um let's talk about a couple teams that aren't looking so liverpoolish um let's start with the spurs or spurs um i know those english fans will get on me for saying the spurs um let's talk about spurs real quick um Let's be honest. They're struggling right now. They had a rough week. Uh, they had a couple of hard games. We'll give them that. Um, a two nothing loss to Leicester, and then a one to two loss to Liverpool. Um, 
not a great week for them from that standpoint. But if we blow it up a little bit further, um, if we go back to when they were the top team and they played the number two squad in Chelsea um, back a couple weeks ago, they they drew at Chelsea. It was a really boring match. I was critical of of uh, Jose in that match and how he played it and the tactics and how he was happy to get out of there with the one point and a nil-nil draw. Uh, well, they've now taken just five points in their last five games. So 15 points available to them. They've only taken five. And in those five matches, they have four goals in five matches. Uh, considering a few weeks ago, we were talking about this being the real deal, Holyfield. We were talking about Harry Kane looking like the golden boot MVP that they don't award. Uh, we were talking about Kane and Son being the best duo in the Premier League. And five matches later, where are you at, Nate? Yeah, I mean, yeah. The question was, is... Jose going to pull his second year magic or is he going to implode like he has traditionally? And I think we're seeing some of that. His tactics are to sit back, play defensive and score on the counterattack. That's what makes Sun and Kane so freaking dangerous is once they're on the break, they're almost impossible to stop. They can score from either one can score from anywhere. Um, and they just haven't been able to do that. That the defense is hasn't been quite as tight. Now, granted, you know you're playing Liverpool, the best attacking team probably in the world, um, but they haven't been able to score on the counter. Um, I haven't watched them closely enough to understand, or maybe even I don't have the skills to understand why. But what's fascinating is their next match is this Sunday against Wolves. And yep. you could argue that Wolves have had the same type of last five games. Their Wolves are struggling to score. They they haven't looked very consistent. Um, I'm not I'm not saying Wolves are the same caliber squad as Spurs, but going into this season, I didn't think they would be far off, and so I think. I would, to be honest, I think if the Spurs are the real deal, they'll spank Wolves. They'll win 2 0 and it'll just look bad. I think if they're not, then I think Wolves could, Wolves could win. But it'll be it'll be an interesting it'll be an interesting match. Yeah, I, I mean they finished last year, I think within a point of each other. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah. I think they actually I think they had the same amount of points and and. Spurs advanced on on goal differential. Yeah, so they took the sixth spot. They got the European matches, uh, and the Wolves unfortunately got left out at seventh. So, um, yeah, it's super interesting. I mean, they still have a ton of talent. Obviously, that the, I'm definitely not rescinding my son and Kane might be the best duo up front in the league. Um, but it is starting to get to Jose time, and yep. uh, his. His post-game comments are starting to come. Yeah. Uh, he's certainly kind of, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot going on there, I think. And, uh, well, for Spurs fans, I hope you guys turn it around. For uh, me, selfishly, which is what I care about, uh, continue to struggle, continue to implode, Jose. Well, they can keep struggling at least through one more week. <laughs> Please. Yes. yes. Wolves, I'd love it. I'd, I'd like three-point Christmas. That would be great for you guys, for sure. All right, let's talk about another struggling team. And this team is really struggling. Um, and they're a big six club. Arsenal, once again, struggles their way through the week. Um, we joked they, they drew with uh, Southampton in the early week match. Uh, we joked that their one goal that they got in that game probably saved Arteta's job for a couple of games. Uh, and then they got shut out in their follow-up to that. Um, they now, since beating Manchester United on November 1st, since that game, they have taken two points since November 2nd. So we are almost six, seven weeks from that, that game, and they have two points to show for it, two draws. 
Um, Arsenal is struggling. I've been joking for a while that Arteta's on his way out. Um, is there any hope for Arsenal, Nate? What do you think? Yeah, if they start winning. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it's – but they're not scoring. Aubameyang was out. They said it was an injury. But I'm always skeptical of those things when teams are starting to fall apart, right? Like he wasn't on the, he wasn't even on the bench. So probably is an injury, but if they're, if they're battling for top four, does he play? Um, They can't score. Their defense is okay, but it's never been great. I mean, they're just, I don't know. Arteta was supposed to be the man to come in, install like a, a pretty like good and detailed system. And the expectation was they would give him time. And I just don't, I just don't know if that's going to happen. The bigger question to me is, do they have any fear of relegation? That's the, that's the bigger question. The, the bottom is so bad that I say no, but they're only four points out and with Burnley stealing freaking points, like teams are going to creep up and draw draws and losses two points over a month and a half. Isn't going to do it for you. Yeah. I mean, that was going to be my question to you is, is at, at what point or if ever do they start fearing that relegation? We've talked about how bad the bottom three are, um, but you're right. They're four points out of it right now. That That's not a lot. And considering this team has only taken two points in the last month and a half, um, it's, that's even scarier because, I mean, it's just – it's not good. And I do need to apologize because I said they got shut out in their weekend game. They didn't. They lost to Everton 2-1. to one, So they did score a goal in that match, but it was still a loss. Um, but, yeah, it's – I don't know. It's hard for me to look at a club like that and not that they've been in a main club since I started watching, uh, but you know who Arsenal is. Uh, even not being a fan, I knew who Arsenal was. Um, <clears throat> and if you look at their long history, it's pretty damn good. But it's hard for me to look at a club that big struggling this much and think, ah, yeah, they'll give their manager time. Um, at some point, ownership has got to be like, this is not acceptable. It's not like they have a small payroll either. They're paying these guys to be stars. And right now, even Obama Yang, who is their star, isn't playing like it. Well, here's what we'll be able to see is they play Chelsea this weekend. Yeah. So that's a tough match. So if we want to see if they're really a relegation type team their next two matches after that are against brighton and west brom so yeah you know if they play down to that competition or even lose one of those matches depending on what happens in the other one and with chelsea i mean they could really be near that bottom line yeah for sure um yeah if they only take one or two points in those matches that's not good yeah um now, there is another outlying problem with them. And uh, you talked about it, I think, last week. They are so undisciplined when it comes to fouling. Um, I think you have a stat. What, what's their stat on their red cards? <laughs> Where do they come from? Well, the stat was from earlier in the week. So I don't know if anyone else moved up. So this was from the early week match um, after Gabriel got the 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 red card but arsenal has seven red cards since arteta took over and the next highest team has three in that time span so yeah there's something going on there with them with their lack of discipline and you can't imagine seeing it getting better with the run of form they're in right like Teams don't pull it together typically when they're free falling. They tend to disintegrate. So we'll see. Well, I think this is as good as time as any then to mention the other red cards that happened this week. Um, two two games, two matches this week again. Uh, we had five red cards. So for those of you keeping track on the over-under, 
that we did last week. You guys both got that one right. Good job. Uh, it was over. There were five red cards. We set the line at one and a half. Boy, was Vegas wrong on that one. Um, but uh, Ben Teke, he got a double yellow for Crystal Palace. Anderson for Fulham got a straight on red card. Lundstrom for Sheffield United also got a straight red. And Livermore for West Brom, straight red, which made me laugh because when I was watching the highlights, it was a tackle on your boy, Jack Graylish. No surprise to see Jackie go down. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny, but uh, a lot of reds handed out this week. A lot of reds handed out. And listen, if you're Arsenal, Crystal Palace, Fulham, Sheffield, and West Brom, you need all 11 players on the pitch. <laughs> so actually, I might argue Arsenal played better with 10. That's true. They actually did. That's, oh man. That's funny. But theoretically, you need all 11. So those guys yes. need to figure it out. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think let's put a bow on this past week before we move on to, to what we saw. We hit on the over-under game we played last week. Uh, just a quick update on it. Nate, you got three right uh, out of four. Kyle, you're, you got two right out of four. Uh, still one undecided with the Arteta over-under for how many matches he'll coach. Um, the biggest. Right, what did you give him? Do you give him five? uh three and a half you gave him three and a half i took the over right uh you both took the over so, so as long he as he coaches sacked, two more yeah so if he coaches two more there were five total so he's got if he coaches four you guys get it i feel um, like that's a lock i'm gonna add that to my lock it in because <laughs> a loss to chelsea isn't bad but if yeah. he were to lose to brighton the fall if he loses two in a row that. If he loses to Chelsea, okay. But if they, they lose to Brighton, it could be ball game for him. Yeah. Uh, the sad part of the over-under is both of you took the under on Wolves goals in the week. <laughs> the the over-under was two and a half. Vegas nailed that line because uh, they scored three. You both took the under and lost that one. Uh, but we'll, we'll get an update on the Arteta decision and see how you guys finish up. But good job, Nate. Right now you're ahead of Kyle, and uh, he can't catch you because you both answered the same in the last one. There we go. All right. Um, let's hit up let, – let's look at our performance of the week. Um, I am going to give mine out to Scott McTominay. In the Leeds United game, uh, Scott from Manchester United, he scored two goals in the first three minutes of the match, which is unheard of. It's so unheard of. It's never happened before, mm -hmm. ever. So congrats, Scott. I always lean on the side of history on these types of things. So I know there were some other awesome performances, uh, but when you set an English Premier League record by scoring two goals in the first three minutes of match and you're the first one to ever do it, you get my performance of the week. Well, the other, the other funny thing is I know we're a Premier League podcast, but it must have been that much. Yeah, it was Sunday, Sunday morning. In the AC Milan game, so this is Serie A, and I don't—I actually don't even know what the guy's name who scored it. He scored a goal in seven seconds. <laughs> it was the like literally, he just took it, dribbled down, like just straight. Like they, their strategy was instead of like kicking it long or kicking it to the side or kicking it back, he just kicked it forward, and they like four guys just ran forward, ran past all the defenders, and he just put a shot on and scored seven seconds so it was it was quite a quite a morning <laughs> that's awesome who uh anybody get your performance of the week i would or just want to give a shout week? out to what i said either performance or assist or what did you pick up on this week i just want to give a shout out to johnstone uh the west brom keeper uh he he made just some great saves in that uh, city match. Like he looked, he looked really good. So I wanted to give, give a shout out to them, to him, um, keeping West Brom in it and giving him a point. Very nice. All right. We've kind of danced around this for a while. One of our favorite things that we've always done has been the hair watch. Um, we've kind of put other things in its place. I think it's time to revisit it because in my opinion, Raheem Sterling needs to get called out and he needs to get called out flagrantly by us for his hairdo. It is the worst thing I've seen on a pitch. 
yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. And you guys know me. I, I love, I love the dyed tips. I love crazy, like different hair. You, you can do a lot of stuff and, and I'll like it, but I can't, I can't get behind it. It's so bad. Again, I go back to this dude. He's like 25, 26, a good looking athlete, athletic man in the prime of his career with whatever the hell he is doing and letting that thing continue to go is just a shame. I can't figure out who it is. It's, I thought it was crisscross. <laughs> I thought it was crisscross, but I, I, I don't think it is. I, cause I was looking up some pictures. So, but his hair reminds me of like a, like 12 year old kid's hair. Like, I don't know <laughs> what he's doing. Like, come on, bro. Pull it together. Yeah. It, it's rough. It's rough. My performance of the week goes to you, Chris, for hosting this podcast today, man. I, I think you, <laughs> Nate, you giving Nate some competition. Dude, I'm not even going to do it anymore. This has been great. <laughs> Cash it in. Thank you, thank you. Make commentary. All right, well then let's move on to our America Watch. Because Nate already touched on it earlier, but it's worth going back to. Um, Otisawi, Otisowi, Otis whatever, you're American and you played finally and you look good doing it. Um, I did not get a chance to watch the Chelsea match today. I was working and at the office, so not sure how how Pulisic did I know that he did not score I do know that I also just said Pulisic yep there it is you can't say it except for under competition that's right give me a reason to say it right now um anybody catch any of the Chelsea highlights or the match to to see how Christian did I didn't I did want to highlight him a little bit though in in the uh the match against Wolves um he, and this is, I've seen lots of commentary on this and I didn't know this about him, but I saw commentary about it like on Twitter last year. So I kind of remembered it then again this year, a little bit. And then watching the match against wolves made it super apparent. Pulisic, when he plays on the left side of the, of the pitch is almost undefendable. He gave Nelson Semedo fits like that whole left side. I saw a heat map of it um, when Wolves did um, Wolves fan cast. Some of the guys, one of the guys does a like kind of tactical review of matches and they showed this heat map on where like players were. And that whole left front side was, was red from the, at the beginning of the match. And that was really the first 30 minutes Chelsea dominated that match. And um Pulisic was just giving him fits. And then for some reason they switched him to the right hand side and I didn't even see him the rest of the match. I mean, he was, he was basically unnoticeable. And so Pulisic needs to be on the left-hand side. Um, I, I didn't see any of the match today either. So I don't know where he played, um, but they won three nil. And when he starts, they win. That's something that we've seen pretty consistently from yeah. last year. And if he can stay healthy, I mean, that Chelsea team's that Chelsea team's really good. So, and if they can play, if Lampard can play him in the right position, really, I think if they would have kept him on the left hand side, I think Wolves would have lost that match. Nice. All right, let's get to our lock it in review. Um, <clears throat> looking at last week's results, Nate, you took Southampton over Arsenal. Uh, Kyle, you took Arsenal over Southampton. You both take the loss there because they drew. Um, and I took Villa over Burnley in the early weeks match, and they drew as well. So we all took the loss there in the first part of the week. But don't worry, we all rebounded in the second part and in the weekend games. Uh, Nate, you squeaked by with Liverpool uh, beating Crystal Palace by seven. Um, I, <laughs> I squeaked by a touchdown. Yes. <laughs> I squeaked by with Manchester United scoring six over Leeds. And uh, Kyle, you correctly picked against Arsenal um, as Everton beat them. So <clears throat> going to this coming weekend, I am 
kind of stealing Kyle's strategy of to pick against Fulham, but we can't pick against Fulham. But what I can do is I can pick against a team that's playing like Fulham and I am picking against Arsenal until I'm not allowed to pick against Arsenal. Uh So my lock it in this week is Chelsea over Arsenal. May as well turn it green right now. Nate, who are you taking? I'm taking City over Newcastle. I have I have faith in Pep. That team's too too talented, and Newcastle is so hit or miss. I feel like it's hard not to pick them. Nice. All right, Kyle, who you got this weekend, bud? I'm going Leeds over Burnley. Uh, I think you know Leeds is gonna lick their wounds that man <laughs> you gave them, but they'll be back. They're gonna score. They're gonna score five against Burnley. That. That would be my best to watch that matchup. Yes. Because it couldn't be two polar opposite attacking styles anywhere else. This is, I mean, who knows? It's Leeds is going to have 90% possession, yep. but Burnley's going to win 2 0. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's very possible. I'm going to do my absolute best to watch that. Um, my match of the week for this coming week. <clears throat> Manchester United plays Leicester battle of uh, second place and third place. Uh, it's, it definitely stands out as the best matchup to watch. The only thing that sucks is it's the Saturday, early, early morning game. So I will be getting up at five 30 in the morning to watch my boys go out and hopefully uh, take on another road victory. Um, <clears throat> Nate, Kyle, any other matches? Actually, let's go with, Nate, first, uh, any other matches you're interested in this weekend that we need to kind of keep on the radar? I mean, I think that's that's the most that's the most important one or the most interesting from like uh, the table standpoints. Obviously, we kind of talked about Wolves Spurs earlier to see which team is kind of more accurately in the place we expect them. Is our Spurs fading? Can Wolves rebound? Are they the team that beat Chelsea or are they the team that lost to Burnley? So, and then Arsenal, Chelsea, I think that's a traditional great matchup. Um, it's, it's at the Emirates. So um, it should be, should be a good match. Nice. All right, Kyle, who are you watching this weekend? What matches it and who are you going to uh, focus on? Yeah. So I'm taking a look at Sheffield versus Everton. And I'm focusing in on Sheffield because nothing says Christmas like focusing on a team that has two points in 13 matches. 14. 14 matches. <laughs> All right. Well, that should be very enjoyable for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's uh, let's give you a couple things to keep your eye out on. Um, Please. Some things to kind of notice. So Sheffield was newly promoted last season. And – they they were kind of last season's wolves, the team that came up and played better than anyone expected. And it was like really surprised people. They really, they were in the top kind of six, seven discussion for most of the season and then faded at the end. I think they finished ninth. Um, but a couple guys to keep your eye out on, uh, David McGoldrick, um, I think he, he leads their team in goals this year. He scored two earlier in the week in that early week match. Um, so you'll want to keep your eyes on him. Um, they have a guy named Ryan Brewster. It's been a little bit of a controversy because he's a young, young kid from that they got from Liverpool. I don't know if they purchased him or if he's on loan, but they haven't played him a lot. And everyone's kind of wondering like, what are they doing with this super talented young guy? they're struggling. Why aren't they playing him? So, so Ryan, uh, Brewster, David McGoldrick, um, their keeper, Aaron Ramsdale, he played really great last year. And I think maybe arguably you could say he's having a pretty good season this year as well. They haven't allowed a ton of goals. They're just not scoring a lot. So I would keep, keep my eye on him as well. Um, well, and that's a little bit of their, maybe struggles isn't necessarily that Ramsdale's not playing that great 
Uh, but Dean Henderson was their main keeper last year and Ramsdale filled in on days he got off yeah. and, and Henderson got called back to Manchester United to be their backup. So they're kind of in this season with a new, with Ramsdale as their like new lead goalie and not that he's playing bad, but they're struggling as a squad, obviously. Yeah. All right. Thanks, well, boy. Kyle, you should have a very enjoyable matchup there to watch. Um, but that does it. I'm out of things to talk about. There's one last thing we need to mention because oh. I think next week's pod. Okay. I think next week's pod is going to come out on Wednesday, not Tuesday, because if the stars can align in the way we think they are next week's pod will be recorded Tuesday afternoon live from my house. After the football neophytes derby, Manchester United, Wolves, Kyle is in town, Chris is in town. We will do our best to maintain some social distancing. Um, nope, Chris is shaking his head. He's not going to social distance at all. He's going to hug me when uh, when Bruno. Well, I, I Bruno think this scores. podcast gets us on the, the VIP list for the vaccine, right? That's why I signed up for it. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're VIP yeah, yeah. list. Yes. So we'll all get vac- vaccinated before we then. get it. Actually, right behind all the senators who told us it wasn't real and not to worry about it. That's right. <laughs> all right. So yeah, next hey, week, next week's Starburn podcast should come won. a little late. Who would have thought Kyle would be in town? My team plays Nate's team. Man, what a time! What a time! Well, so what time is this? Yep. All right, boys, with that, I'll see you at Nate's place next week. That's right. Peace out. Peace.